Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Folks, Tom here. Just a really very quick one to say that we have been desperate to get something out for you this summer. Obviously, it's been a long time now since the championship season ended and we, of course, are really looking forward to the Premier League and we'll be back throughout the season uh, in 2021-22 try getting your tongue around that quickly but as we were all in a rush and Matt uh, the layabout is going on holiday or, or some such nonsense it was left to me to very badly edit this pod so it's not the usual sound quality because in all seriousness Matt does an excellent job and it is actually very much in his wheelhouse so please excuse the fact that the audio is not up to its usual standard it will be again next time and in the meantime keep supporting the pod and keep enjoying the pod take care Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford FC. I'm football commentator and presenter Matt Meziano. My name's Tom Riddell, football journalist. And I'm Jordan Weimer, and listen scout. And that absolutely was not rehearsed. Uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll get better at that, we'll get better at that. Right, so um, obviously we've been away for a little bit, so we're coming back now, because uh, more Watford news has come out, and uh, quite a bit, so we'll start probably with the most exciting stuff, the transfer news, and um, so Watford were looking for a left-back, I think that was no, uh, no real uh, surprise in that. We were looking uh, at a couple of different options, Ashley Young was... Was, was mentioned as well but in the end it was Danny Rose who uh, who we've gone for guys uh, someone who actually we were looking at uh, last season and there was talks about him potentially being in the Watford training ground I mean it's, it's it, it turns out that he wasn't actually uh, that far along last time round but this time round he did make it all the way to the Watford training ground and he has now signed on the dotted line and he's going to be a Watford player next season uh, are we happy about this one? Yeah, I think I think so. Um, I think we definitely kind of established last season we needed to to kind of strengthen that position, you know, throughout the rest of this season coming up. And I think we've done a decent job there. There's still a couple of unknowns with with Danny Rose in terms of uh, what we're going to get. Obviously, had a year out without playing last year, um, so it's going to be an interesting one. But there's a lot there to like about the deal. It's quite it seems on the surface quite a team friendly deal, um, and it could be someone that contributes from the off, which is kind of what we need at this point. Yeah, I think this is quite a good. I think this is quite a good deal, isn't it? I, I you know, he's free. He's a very experienced Premier League defender by all accounts. A good guy to have around the place. There were a lot of kind of gushing tributes, weren't there, from from Spurs supporters and, and people connected with Spurs when he was announced. He was definitely joining us. Um, I think Sam Cox, who works at the academy, former. Wheelstone, Boreham Woods, among others. So you know, local lad, but um, works at works at Spurs nowadays. And you know, he kind of shared a few points of uh, 
Danny Rose being a good guy. And I, I just think you can't have enough people like that. And, you know, if he's going to play every week or not, it's unclear. But he's, I think he sounds like someone who will be good to have around the place. Obviously, England's international previously. And not very many years ago, probably one of the best left-backs in the Premier League. Quite what's happened since then is really interesting to me. And I'd love to know definitively, was it, you know, just a clash of personalities with Jose Mourinho? Was it that kind of what we saw in the, the, the Spurs documentary on Amazon where he kind of, uh, had a bit of a you know forthright view on things and kind of rubbed Mourinho out the wrong way. It'd be great to know, but um, it seems without kind of getting drawn in by the name, um, like a like a clever like a smart piece of business for me. Very hard for him, yeah, well, wasn't it, having all of that um, you know aired in front of everybody, so everyone can can see this conversation taking place. It's the sort of thing that usually is is left behind closed doors for good reason, isn't it? And it must be very difficult for him, especially the last 12 months where he's, he's basically had to just bide his time playing for the reserves. And, uh, you know, at, at the age he is, he wants to be playing football. He doesn't want to be still still with the under-23s. Yeah, I mean, I think that is that is definitely something to, something to think about. And, I mean, one of the things I've, I've heard myself is that there are people that were questioning how much Danny Rose wanted to play football anymore. And I think that's maybe kind of, heightened and emphasized by kind of the, the scenes we saw from the from the Amazon documentary and it's been a tough couple of years for me it's been it's, it's been really difficult and as you say he's one of the most kind of impressive left backs in the league at a point um and he's kind of gone a bit of a kind of downhill trajectory for the last couple of seasons so hopefully he can regain that a little bit and um and really kind of provide some competition uh, to that left back position because as I said earlier we needed to strengthen that um I will preface as well I know we talked about being a free transfer and obviously it is a free transfer um, there's an argument as to whether or how much we should really care as fans about what the club spends on players, but it's not entirely free, of course, because there'll be a lot of agent fees in there and the salary will be probably representative of that too. But it's still a pretty good deal if you're talking about kind of the low the low millions for for that sort of player. I think you can, you can feel quite positive about it. Um, and it's definitely a better kind of... I think the situation we're in last year, we had Lazar. He was clearly a backup. I'd say now... Um, we have someone that's actually there to compete and, and possibly take that starting spe- uh, starting place from Massena. Um, Massena is kind of a, a much different player than than, than Rosa, of course. Um, maybe Rosa can offer something a little bit closer to what Kiko can on the right in terms of uh, mobility and and support for that left side. Because I mean, that's something again we talked about quite a few times last season was how much support we were able to get um, uh, up to Kensema. Contrast to that, you know, there's a, there's a decision to be made there too because Massena kind of gives you that that physicality and stability defensively you might also require at times. So it might be a situation where it's kind of a, a pick-your-left-back-based opponent, and that wouldn't be a negative thing, in my opinion. Is left-back his strongest position, Jordan? Or, or is, he, is he better at left-wing-back, or does he do both roles pretty well? Because you know, he certainly seems like a more of an attacking left-sided player in that defensive role than, well, say, Adam, Adam Massena. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of experience playing quite... I mean, even when he's played at a back in a back four for a lot of teams in the Spurs or even England, he's going to be quite advanced in almost playing a, a wing-back's type position in that back four because he's on, on that halfway line and pretty wide for so long. Um, I think that's where he's at his best. Um, he, but then both of those teams also, at times, have had to play a little bit more compact and a little bit deeper. So he, he's got a decent level of experience playing both, and I think he could, he could really do either. Um, but I think if you're going to see the best of Danny Rose, in my opinion, it is in a, in a more possession-dominant team, which obviously we're not going to be quite as much as we were, or most likely aren't going to be as much as we were um, in, in the championship. So there might be some some, some adjustment needed there. Um, but he, he did decent 
decently at Newcastle in, in a team that's probably going to play not necessarily in a similar way to us, but there's going to be some kind of fundamentals to that that position that will kind of translate over to, to playing for us. Yeah, Tom, you uh, uh, like a little bit of, uh, of Newcastle. It was like a, a second or third choice team. You, you spent a bit of time there, didn't you? And you, you followed them a little bit. So do you know a little bit about what the, uh, the, the Toon fans' feeling was towards Danny Rose? Firstly, I fucking hate Newcastle because my affiliation is with Sunderland and after that, Hartlepool United. Uh, but no, that's all right. Now, I know why you've made the link. To be fair, my father-in-law's a Geordie. So I was under the impression... Yeah, exactly. I was under the impression that um, Newcastle fans were really hot on Danny Rose and thought he'd been brilliant and blah, blah, blah. Turns out I have a couple of other Newcastle sporting friends, so I checked in with after this and they thought he was fairly poor for them. So uh, that's the kind of Newcastle view. But I think it's probably fair to say as well, he was coming to he came to them, didn't he, off the back of a season, half a season barely playing. So probably not the best, um, you know, the fairest kind of judgment to make of him. Uh, but yes, the, the Geordie view is that he wasn't all that. Uh, certainly not compared to Jetro Williams, who they, they liked and had prior to him. Honestly, I think when I've gone back and looked at some of his time at Newcastle, just to kind of get a bit of a feel for it, and I think... If there's one thing that Danny Rose can be guilty of or, or at least appear guilty of and something that does concern me a little bit is there are occasions where he does look like he's kind of phoning in a performance. You know, it seems a little bit kind of going through the motions. And I, I, I do I do think you kind of you can't really carry too much of that. I mean quality and you know, ability only gets you so far um in those situations. And when we're gonna be a team that's kind of fighting to defend the league, I'm not talking about just physical grit and determination. I'm just I just mean kind of that apt that Applying yourself to to the game for the full ninety is going to be so crucial, and sometimes there are, there are points of his game where you do you do wonder if he still has that still has that desire. But then uh, you know it's difficult because we're, we're talking about someone's character and questioning their character and personalities. And really, we don't know. We're just trying to get a feel based of what we see on the pitch. And that if I have any concerns about Rose, that's that's where it is. Actually, one thing I will say uh, in regards to concerns about Rose is there's a lot of comments and. Of isolating, of isolating photos of Rose in pre-season, commenting on kind of his his fitness, um, because you know he's 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 a guy that he doesn't hold weight very well, um, and he I'd say he's definitely not fit, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, don't forget, didn't seem great, did they? No, I mean look, I don't think he's fit at all. I think he's he's definitely got. Um, this is this is my opinion, um, but I, I think he, I'm pretty confident he's got a, a few pounds to shed. But he's also a very barrelly shaped, like body shaped guy. Um, he's never going to carry weight well. You know, he's a he's a kind of narrow sh- narrow shoulder, wide hip kind of guy. You're always going to look heavy if you've got any fat on you. So I wouldn't get too concerned with that. He's a professional. We can get into shape, and uh, you know, he's, he's had a year off in a sense. So it, it's not the most surprising thing. Um, but I don't think we should get too hung up on that at this point anyway. I think if we if we still looked in that condition coming into two or three weeks out, then there's cause for concern. But right now, I think it's just kind of up to him and, and, and the, the team at Watford to, to get him ready for the, for the pre-season. I think he will be. In his uh, time away in the under-23s, he said that he really enjoyed working with the younger players and that, that was some, something that he'd previously thought about himself ever ever doing but but now that he's had that experience he can see himself maybe working as a coach one day in the future and I feel as though maybe maybe it's given him more of a of this feeling of wanting to be a leader and 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 and, and also mm. a mentor to the younger generation and maybe that can be a good thing when he's when he's playing for Watford there's always yeah, been a bit of a media 
Sorry, go on. Thank you, sorry. There's always been a bit of a media perception around him, hasn't he, that he's trouble and he kind of speaks his mind and so on. But I just think that's the way, you know, that is a media filter of him, that he's been trouble. I, I hark back to that interview he did. I think it was unauthorised, was the gist, wasn't it, when he was at Spurs probably four or five years ago now. And he thought, you know, I definitely want to move to a northern club, which is when I'm, you know, winding down, obviously kind of moved slightly north to Watford, but not very far. Um and you know, want to not have to Google Google signings that Spurs make and so on and so forth. And, and you know, I think that put people's got people's backs up a little bit. But I actually think, you to be honest, that? that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the yeah. sun. It was, it was good interview. Um, but what I will say is, I think that he's someone that's not afraid to speak his mind. And I think, yeah, all these things kind of come together and, and paint that picture of someone who's got who's got principles, who's who is a leader. And I think. You know, going back to the Premier League, you can you can never have too many of those. So, even if he maybe does isn't the player he was on the field four or five years ago, I think he's a very good influence in the dressing room. I'm not sure he doesn't. I'm not sure he can't be the player on the field that he was four or five years ago either. I think it's a tough one again because I said earlier we're trying to kind of dissect his character and kind of get an understanding of where he's at, but. I do think he's an outspoken guy, as you said, which isn't always a negative thing. I think if you're a, if you're a head coach, you know, if you're a leader of that team, I think in an ideal world you have people that speak out against you and question your ideas because you have if 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 you don't have a definitive answer when someone questions your ideas and you, your ideas aren't good enough, basically. So I think it's not a negative to have someone that kind of calls out things and and how the coach operates as long as it's um, you know respectful and, and done within reason. Um, but it's difficult. I mean, I think I think Amazon, the Amazon documentary, kind of sheds some light onto onto pretty everyday goings on, honestly, in, in regards to, to team kind of structure and squad squad happiness in general. Because there's always going to be players that are going to feel like they're left out and they could be contributing, but they're kind of pushed to the sidelines. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure we've had a few at Watford last season, and they handled it in different ways from player to player. But you know, I'm sure there are moments where you know, Stepe Pericha, for example, would have felt quite similarly to how. How Danny Rose felt at times, so I don't think we should get too hung up on that. And it, as you say, it does kind of play into that narrative that he's he's troubled at times. But I just don't think we should make too many uh, too many judgments, or at least if we do, I wouldn't stick to them too too strongly because we don't actually know the guy. Not the first time that he had played in a in a Watford shirt. He did have a, a brief loan back in two thousand and nine. I think he must have been about nineteen or so. Uh, the only real uh, moment that anyone really remembers is this fantastic own goal that he scored. Yeah, um, I was at that game as well. Actually, that was um, Norwich, and I lived at that time. I lived in Bury and Edmonds in Suffolk, so Norwich and Ipswich were kind of were closer to the home games. You know, had a season ticket, but they were the ones that I looked forward to, not having to travel as far. So I remember being at that game quite excited, and yeah, hell of an own goal though. Well, I mean, if you can do anything uh, like that in the in the other goal uh, for Watford then uh, I'm sure it would be uh, you know every every penny uh, that was spent on his uh, on his agent is well, well worth it uh, moving on then we've got another transfer to talk about and it's a striker this time and uh, everyone's been you know crossing their fingers hoping that uh, that a striker could come through the door I don't think everyone was crossing their fingers for this particular name though I mean very very Watford-esque isn't it that, that all of a sudden they they, they they pick up somebody who we, we'd never even discussed before. Emmanuel Guinness is the man that's come through the door, a Nigerian striker, friends with, with Trusekong and, and also Isaac Success as well. And, uh, you know, he's played in Belgium and, uh, you know, he's you know he's a good goal scorer. But um, tell us a bit more about him, Jordan. Yeah, I think he's someone they brought in 
at this point, I'd say it's kind of a, a flexible kind of position player where he's gonna he's gonna be able to contribute from wide positions or centrally. Um, offers us a little bit more mobility in that forward line. Uh, maybe not quite as stiff as someone like Andre Gray. I do th- I do think he's got some rawness to his game. I don't think he's the finished article by any means. Um, but he's someone that can contribute, and I think as well when we're changing we're changing levels and we're going to change our style of play somewhat to kind of compensate for that. I think having mobility in the forward line is someone that's able to to play to play vertically and and also be able to get wide too. I think really does help us a lot. Um, it remains to be seen exactly kind of where he'll be in terms of the pecking order of the forward line. Um, and but I, I think there's always that possibility that he he could earn a place from the start centrally or wide. So. It remains to be seen, but I think at this point we're probably still in the market for another forward if we can offload one of the current players. Um, and he's a guy that can that can be quite versatile for us. Do you like him, Tom? Yeah, he's an interesting one, isn't he? He um, watching him play, he certainly doesn't seem like someone who is wedded to the kind of to the penalty area. I looked at his breakdown of kind of where he started games last season. He seems to majority start as a centre forward, but. Which as Jordan said, played wide quite a lot, and he does seem to kind of drift out to the wide areas, or even kind of you know linger on the edge of the penalty area. Certainly not sort of a, a poaching, poacher kind of type of forward, is he? Um, and that's probably reflected in his goal tally. I like the fact that he's, you know, he seems unafraid of running at people. He's not quick. Oh, sorry, he's not quick. He is quick. He's not slow. Is what I mean. He's you know he wants to try and you know isolate the fullback and, and get across in or, or or work his way into the penalty area. I think. You know, there's a little bit of development there, isn't there, in terms of kind of his decision making in those areas and his his end product. Maybe I don't even necessarily mean in terms of goals, but you know, when he cuts the ball back or when he crosses or when he shoots when he should have cut the ball back or cross, things like that probably need a, a little bit of work. But he's only 23, so um, you know, I think there's no little potential there. He's a name that's been kind of thrown around for a fair while now, um, and I, th- I think the idea of maybe him. Joao Pedro and someone else, or you know, depending on whether Ishmael Star says, potentially all three of those guys. That sounds like quite a mobile, exciting front three potentially. So, yeah, I, I like the look of it without having watched him forensically. I think there's a couple of factors too. I think we just maybe we discussed this ourselves kind of privately, but um, I think when you're looking at a forward like this, we have to think about these moments in games where. You know, you're trying to see out games. You're trying to, you, you maybe got a lead. You're trying to be a little bit more defensive. Having someone with that ability in that forward position to be able to play wide, when you when you're kind of getting to the later stages, if you're kind of hitting the ball long and you're kind of under pressure, you're not wanting to hit centrally and narrow kind of to that more central forward to try and hold the ball up. You need to play wide. Um, you've got to try and win the fouls and the throw-ins and slow things down a little bit and and buy your t- buy your team time. And I think someone like that offers you a lot, um, as well as having the ability to run at players and and draw fouls and, and just be a, just be a nuisance. Um, obviously, we all want a goal scorer. That would be ideal, but I'm fully behind looking at alternative ways to to kind of put a front line together. Um, I'm not too reliant personally on on having that central figure that's going to be that, in theory, uh, 15 goal a season striker. Because in in actuality, there aren't that many of them, um, and we've got to be a little bit more savvy with how we spend our money. And if we find other ways of kind of spreading that offensive load, then then that's good for us. And I think he's someone that can be a be a decent part of that. That front line and an alternate option too at times as well. So, I think on the on the surface, I think there's a lot to be positive about. Obviously, we're all going to kind of withhold too much kind of opinion on things at now at this point. But overall, at this stage, it looks quite positive. I mean, I just imagine for a second here: Dennis on one wing, Saar on the other wing, and 
don't know, let's say Pedro in the middle. I mean, that's... No, I think also too you want that you want that flexibility and that fluidity option in that front line. If you're if you're a counter attacking team, which at this point I kind of expect us to be somewhat, um, if you're playing or pl- planning to play with pace and power in wide areas and and looking to be that counter attacking team, you're going to have opposition fullbacks that are pushing up on you a little bit higher because they're going to dominate the ball. They're going to be a little bit more aggressive and they're going to see you as a must win game on a lot of occasions. Um, that does give you that kind of that opportunity to to play with those assets in them wide positions, and also if your central figure is someone that can also occupy them wide areas, it makes you much harder to track. Um, no centre back is going to want to be playing with Jao Pedro's back to him, and then Jao Pedro spins off and Saar crosses over and makes a run at you. It's not ideal, and that, I think that's where we could hurt teams. Just looking at how things are set up that now, based on the current transfer activity we've we've had, um, that would be my expectation, especially when you throw in. Uh, some of the other signs that have come in too, it does indicate to me that we're looking to um, we're looking to create a team that's a little bit more flexible, a little bit more, a little bit more robust, and kind of a little bit closer to what we started to see with Grassi at, at points in terms of uh, how that kind of forward line interacts with each other in the midfield. And looking for another striker, you think, Jordan? Which I mean, on the face of it, it, it I think we probably need, but we've got such an overstocked department of strikers already. Like, like you say, I mean, we we probably need want to go at least before we can think about bringing somebody in yeah I think you've got to see I mean we're talking about players that we have to kind of see go Pericha um, Panaranda success I, I can't really see a massive place for him right now um, you've even got Chucho coming back I'm not sure at this stage how likely it is that Chucho will play for us um, there's lots of things considered obviously Andre Gray and Troy Dean is a question mark I don't think Troy's going anywhere I just do not see it happening Gray, if we can facilitate a loan move, if there's a team that's willing to play a, pay a big enough chunk of his salary in the championship, perhaps that might happen. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to sort out there and we don't really be carrying any dead weight because it's just not beneficial for us in a time where we need to be spending our money wisely. If you could get three or four players at the door and that gives you the freedom to, to bring in someone else or you know get a loan or, or whoever or however you kind of facilitate a deal... Then that that could be the difference between us staying up and not. So I'm sure they I'm sure the club are working hard to kind of find ways around these things. But it's also possible that we just simply run out of time. We have to go with what we have too. So I think there's a lot up in the air right now, and we have to kind of be quite objective when it comes to to judging our transfer activity on like a day day to day basis. And there has been some transfer speculation about um, the players you've just mentioned there who could be exiting. Watford, uh, Adalberto Penaranda, possibly one looking for uh, some time in Spain. Las Palmas are, uh, are apparently interested. And, and with regards to Stipe Pericha, uh, Barnsley are, are, are on, the, uh, on, the, on the lookout for a striker. And, and I think they've been sort of tipped to at least looking at him as well. So they could potentially be some good moves for those, those players because, you know, what they really need is, is game time if they're not going to get it at Watford. Yeah, I think there's a few now who have just been on the periphery for so long we've just really got to cut our losses haven't we Jerome Sinclair was one of those who's obviously moved on Penny Randers clearly another one who's just he's never going to get a, a chance and I think if they were ever serious about um, getting something out of him they'd have loaned him to a club in this country or at least a, yeah. you know higher level league so I think I think his time is up isn't it with uh, with this summer Prosetta I see has obviously extended his loan away so he's yep. I think he's done here realistically isn't he um, we just, I think it's as Jordan alluded to it with Andre Gray and, and you know trying to get those salaries off the wage bill, but I think it's so important to be able to trim the fat a little bit with some of these other guys as well because obviously the last eighteen months or so have been difficult, difficult for all football clubs and you know 
just going up to the Premier League doesn't automatically restore the kind of financial power that it would have meant a couple of years ago now. So anything that we can recoup is is, is vital. Yeah, I think we're really at a point too as a as a squad and as a as a club where we have to we have to start kind of building our our team based on a, a consistent philosophy. And I think we've started to see the foundations of that happen in the championship. Um, we did a decent job of kind of restructuring that kind of age bracket that we, we operate in. We brought that down quite a lot. And I, I think we do seem to have a little bit more of a, a little bit more continuity coming through in terms of the deals that are being done. I know you've got the kind of outliers like Rose, for example, but he does, he does retain that value in, in being a free agent. And, um, there's, you know, there's a lot to like about that deal. Aside from that, we have looked at a slightly younger group. Um, we're looking for resale uh, value if, if needed. Uh, and I think that's a much more positive way to do it. I think we lost our track a little bit. I know we've discussed this numerous times previously. Um, but just based on the players we've been linked with, uh, it indicates some, some positive things. But we also have to be to be sure that we can we can actually move on from some of the players we've, we're a little bit tied to right now and kind of a hangover from a time we lost. Those ones then uh, were speculations, apart from Pesetta, which has uh, officially uh, been announced that he's extended his loan at Udinese for the forthcoming season. Um, probably not too surprising, just because you know he didn't have a great time when he was here, and he was quite impressive at, at, at Udinese until he picked up that injury. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised that that's that that's happened, Jordan. Suits both parties, I believe. I, I think it's um, yeah, it's a fair. I, I always feel like. I quite liked Pesetta, honestly. Um, I do feel like he would have been quite useful last season at times, but um, they're managing the player between two clubs, and if, he, if, he, if they feel that he offers more to Udinese and he's happy than that, happier there, then then why not? I think he should be able to stay there, and that seems like a good fit just to continue moving in that manner, and uh, I'm happy for him if, he's, if that's the place he wants to be. Another one that uh, has been confirmed, and this one, this one hurt me, I've got to admit, this one hurt me, Ben Wilmot. Has uh, has left for Stoke City. Um, I'm not sure what the fee was, to be honest. But I mean, it was being reported at around the two million mark, which seems low yeah. for me. But uh, you know, I think that's going to be a missed opportunity. That's my opinion. But you know, Tom, what, what do you think about this one? I'm very conflicted about this one because, on the basis of his Watford career, what we've actually seen from him, he looks like a very decent player, not the finished product necessarily by any means. We're essentially banking on the potential that he's going to be brilliant and the hope that he's going to be brilliant. So, you know, look, the way the club is set up these days, we almost don't have to be patient, do we? We, You know, the model has changed and football has changed as well. But, you know, we can say, screw it, we're going to live in the now. Uh, might not be the best policy necessarily, but this is how we operate. Um, you know, we can live in the now and let him go. So if someone's going to offer us a couple of million for him, that's a small profit on the, the money that he cost us in, on the outlay initially. Was it about half a million from Stevenage? Um, yeah, around that, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's no guarantee. You know, look at someone like Tommy Hoban, who I thought was going to have a great career, but obviously injuries got in the way, and now it looks like he's going to go to crew. Um, you know, I'm just using him because he's in the news. I think, you know... We just have to kind of accept that it's uh, it's disappointing because I think I think do you know I was mentioning because he was English and kind of without getting all Brexity about it we don't bring too many British players and you know obviously we didn't develop him ourselves this is a very rambling point now but you know seeing these kind of British youngsters come through is is, is a bit of a change isn't it so he stands out and I think you automatically I don't know feel a bit more of an affinity for him but so. 
yeah, I think it's in, in summary of that horrible point, I think he's British, so we had higher hopes, and we are basing this on hope rather than anything. So good luck to him. He deserves to go and play football. What I would say is Stoke are usually absolute horse shit. So, um, you know, we're not talking about a, a brilliant championship club here. We're talking about a mid-table team. So, mm. Is this the same I, I do think. Sorry, you carry on. No, you go, you go ahead. It's fine. The, the only the only thing that I've got in my head here, though, Tom, is the fact that why why bother bringing these these guys in if, if we're not going to give them the opportunity? And, and I suppose you could say we did give them the opportunity. We gave them the first half of the season, but I thought he played well in the first half of the season. He did, so yeah, I, he, I did. he why, did. I don't know why he didn't carry on getting game time. And two million for a, for a centre back that could potentially be a, a Premier League centre back. You know, had he had he stayed with us. Exactly, potentially be a Premier League centre back. We're just going buy one. We're just going buy one. There's, well, it's not, it's not our model, also, is it? This is also the kind of position that teams like Chelsea and stuff find themselves in on occasion too. You want to accumulate talent if you can. If you have someone like Ben Wilmot that's available, you feel good in him. You like a few of his traits. You think he can develop, then you you pick him up at the fee that we got him for. Um, I know Andy Scott was obviously aware of of Wilmot from his from his time at Stevenage, and that that helped facilitate things too. Um, but it does unfortunately cover. I think Ben Wilmot's career was mostly affected by the fact that we got relegated in some ways ironically you'd think that he'd have the better opportunity when we got relegated um, but the fact that we we went into that situation where it was a real win now part of the season um, with the change in, in coach I think bringing in Shishko I think we, we slightly adapted the way that we defended um, <clears throat> we were able to play a little bit more aggressively from defensive positions, we weren't as passive as a team, um, and we didn't require so much in terms of ball progression from centre backs because of that that switch in in position for Will Hughes dropping that bit deeper. It made it very easy to to make him that that deep line ball progressor. So, in that situation, you can focus on your defenders being defenders a little bit more. And I think Truce to Kong and Sirialto are just simply better um, better equipped to be combative defenders and simply recycle that ball. If we were looking to play with uh, outside centre-backs again and we had to find a way forwards into midfield or, or out to the wing-back, then Wilmot's the better option. But just down to circumstance, that wasn't the case. So I think it was unfortunate for him. I do think there's a world that that, that could exist where Ben Wilmot played 35 games for us last season. He's he's fully prepared to go into the next one and a better player for it. Um, but just, I think the whole kind of, the whole story together just didn't link it. It just didn't end up the way we kind of hoped it would. Um, but it's not a criticism of Wilmot. And in some ways, I'm not even criticising the club or Shishko because I understand the reasoning behind it. You can see there is some logic there. Um, it's just a little bit frustrating because we all would have liked to kind of have that that ending for him where he went back into Premier League and he was somewhat of a, a starter and kind of close to that first team. Um, but hopefully, uh, he'll he'll progress at Stoke and he'll eventually get there in one way or another. But I think, I think that's just got to be part of the... We just got to accept that as fans, that that sort of thing is going to happen. And I think too, you look at someone like Matthew Pollock that came in, uh, and he's our he's our next go at something like that. We could be having the same conversation mm-hmm. about him in a few years' time. You don't know, or he could be someone that actually does make that step up and is playing for us in the first team. Um, it all depends on like every level of football opportunity is important. And whilst there was some for Wilmot, maybe the correct one wasn't quite as available as we thought it might be this year. This is how we operated in the day. I think you said the phrase there, win now. And it's it's so true. You know, 10 years ago when we were scrapping around, you know, we probably wouldn't have spent half a million on a prospect, but, you know, ignore that fact. You'd have signed a Ben Wilmot and you'd have persevered and stuck with him because our ambitions 
were lesser and our resources were lesser and we, you know we could have had the patience to say oh he's been perfectly adequate so far maybe in a couple of years he's going to be brilliant we just as i say we just go out and buy the ready-made thing now we are uh there are parallels between us and chelsea that was a great example that you gave so i'm not going to go on about it anymore because it was your point well no i think i i mean it's just i think when you have those players available to you you take the risk on the talent because we haven't we haven't really left ourselves worse off we had a player that did contribute some minutes for us and we we sold for a profit and then when you factor in wages over the years and bonuses etc maybe it's kind of breaking even or, or something but we are still taking a risk on the player that could pay off we don't ha- we don't all have to pay off only one or two has to every every few seasons you can you can make the same argument for for bar coming in too he might be a player we never really see around the first team he might be someone that contributes he might not but it's worth the risk because it's a very it's a very low fee for the player coming in um we give them the opportunity maybe maybe things don't quite work out but we're not really going to change how we how we approach the kind of our season as a whole in order to fit the likes of Ben Wilmer or really any player i think the ultimate objective was more important and if if Ben if Cisco Munoz saw um saw the last 10 15 20 games as a bigger priority for him than Ben Wilmot's next three years of his career, then that's kind of his prerogative to do so. And ultimately, we got promoted. And I think that has to be at, at the front and centre of people's minds at the club. Um, you have to be a bit cutthroat. And I would like to see Ben Wilmot do better and, and have the opportunity, but um, not at the expense of uh, where we actually ended up. OK, that's the transfer news then done, barring one uh, item here, which I'm not sure how believable it is or not but it was reported so we shall report it as well and there is links with Zinkenagel um, moving away from the club which seems peculiar because I think he had a pretty decent season but again I thought Wilmot had a, had a decent season and, and he's moved on so you know what that proves what I know but is, how much uh, do we know about this one John? Um, I mean it's all very early days at this point it, it could be as simply as much as Forrest inquiring about about Zinconega, then if we're open to discuss things, that sometimes clubs will be open to discuss things to kind of get a feel on what a player's value is at that current point. Doesn't mean they're actually planning on selling. They might have no intention of doing so whatsoever. I personally don't think Zinconega will leave this season. I think if he goes out, you've got to find someone similar to replace him. And I think the value we got him for, I don't think you'll get. A, I don't think you're going to really improve the situation without losing some capital and having to kind of find ways to balance things. I think as things stand he will stay where he is. Um, but it, it's not unreasonable to, to discuss these things with other clubs. I mean, if I was running a club, I'd want to know what the going rate for my players was. Um, if there was demand for them, then I, I don't want to rule things out ever because there might be times where you have to cash in, you have to move things around, you have to be flexible. So if there's a situation, just like we discussed previously, if there's, if there's a situation where we felt that selling Zinconegle would get us closer to the goal, then maybe we'd consider it unlikely to happen but if you can find out a little bit more about it and do your due diligence then why not okay then great um let's uh move our attentions away from Watford just slightly just slightly i know i know right at the start of this podcast i say we're a Watford focused podcast but there is uh, a european championships taking place and england are doing pretty well but uh, not only england we've uh, we've had uh, the chance to see a couple of uh Watford players uh, well, I want to say playing, but Ken Semmer didn't really feature today. But Ken Semmer playing for Sweden uh, and Dan Backman, more importantly, playing for Austria. So, uh, guys, let's, uh, should we start with England first? I mean, England, Germany, that just took place uh, as we're recording uh, yesterday. And England came away with a 2-0 victory. And, oh, you know what? 
as, as someone who's old enough to 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 have watched the the 1996 66 oh. not the 90 right, <laughs> not, not that old the 1996 <laughs> uh championships euro 96 as it was called um it feels so good to to beat germany in a tournament yeah it really does my i was four in 96 so i can't pretend to remember it my England Germany kind of miserable memory was the the 2010 World Cup and I was by which point I was 18 so I was able to go to the pub and, and drink and watch England and I quickly realised that you know it's basically kind of rubbish wasn't it by the end uh, so that it was very satisfying and do you know what we were very very good I thought they a lot of vindication for Southgate for throughout these games for players that he's continued to pick that the public might otherwise have have not picked uh, Raheem Sterling being being one of those at the start of the tournament who's obviously had an excellent tournament but I thought you know he's he's shown himself to be a quite tactically astute manager I think which perhaps isn't something you would have said in the past so yeah very pleasing and now we're in a we're in a great position to reach the final so we will inevitably screw up against Ukraine <laughs> I think there is still some argument. I think this is the perfect game plan for that Germany side. I think there's still an argument for some frustration that comes to how we play different opposition. If you can, you know, opposition you consider weaker, I think it's it's fair to to make the argument to want to see a little bit more, a little bit more freedom, a little bit more flair, a little bit earlier or from the start. I don't think that's necessarily wrong. We did have a conservative approach, but that's kind of what we've been asking for for years in terms of an England team, especially when you get through to those knockout stages and you are playing opposition which are either better man for man or just better kind of functioning teams um so i think it was i mean that england game was probably the most i've enjoyed that could arguably be my favorite england game i've ever watched actually um in in some ways you know i think i think when you kind of it was almost a bit of a perfect storm in the sense of having fans back in the stadium um just kind of the year it's been i think england have it's been hard to it's hard to fully engage i think and obviously the previous world cup it was a it, it was a lot of fun, um, but this does feel a little bit. This is actually more entertaining to me, and I think having the, having the game at Wembley and just everything combined just really felt like a good, um, just a, a good game to watch, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Whereas there have been a lot of times where England have been quite, you know, laborious, lethargic, and even in competitions we've done quite well, it still always felt a little bit, a little bit off. But I felt this one really all clicked for me. Um, I might be in the minority as I'm talking. It sounds like I am, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. England in this European Championships remind me so much of Watford in the Championship this season. You know, not particularly yeah, no, playing argument, yeah. amazingly, but getting a, a really good defensive shape, keeping clean sheets, winning by one or two. I mean, yeah. there's lots of parallels to draw there. I think it caps off. I, I do think that the England, just talking about it from a Watford perspective as you are there, I think the England performances, as you say, but also just the whole feeling around everything England, I think it... It does have those parallels that almost just cap off quite a promising Watford season. If if England won the Euros at this point, I mean, great season. It's the ideal season for us as football fans, isn't it? And that would be pretty pretty special given the year we've had. It's probably been one of the hardest years to be a football fan. Thank God we weren't a football fan in the season we got relegated or something. I know we were obviously the last time we got relegated from Premier League was during COVID, but... It would have felt like a really long year if our team had struggled and been mediocre this year. The fact that we've got that boost to promotion and England are having a good Euro uh, Euro competition, it, it does help things. And uh, maybe that's maybe that adds to why I felt like this game was extra special. You've got to feel a bit sorry for the likes of Will Hughes and, and maybe Nathaniel Chalaber as well, because had Watford not got relegated, Tom, they could have potentially been in this England team. 
I think more than that, though, there are other circumstances. Certainly with Chalabar, he got that call-up, didn't he, after rejoining us and then didn't play and then got injured and what have you and then only finally got his first cap a while after. I think, to be honest with you, it's, it's moved on for him. But Will Hughes, potentially, you know, there's an, there's an opportunity there. I don't think the centre of midfield is the strongest position in this team. Calvin Phillips has obviously done very well this tournament. But, um, you know, I, I certainly don't think that's a place where we're oozing kind of out and out central midfielders. I think we've got a lot of sort of players that could play somewhere between the kind of eight and ten role like Foden and Mount. But, you know, someone like Will Hughes who can go in there and control things and kind of dictate the play a little bit. Um, you know, I think he's got an op- opportunity. However, what I would say is I don't think that Gareth Southgate is the sort of person who's averse to picking players in the championship. So, you know, I don't expect the fact that we're getting going to be back on the telly next week uh, next season every game uh, to culminate in a load of call-ups for, for, for Will Hughes because I think you know if you're good enough you get in regardless under Southgate and that's one of his big uh, pluses for him is it's an actual meritocracy Tom, we were on the you're not convincing me last, last season <laughs> good point well mate <laughs> you're not convincing me that Hughes wouldn't offer more than Rice in midfield either uh, no look I would like I'd have him in there tomorrow I've played FIFA at least once and, and, and had him in my England squad when I've been England manager but um, I just you know I think um, all joking aside South, I don't know Southgate he builds a team doesn't he and he, I, he evidently likes Rice in there doing something so um, even though it feels like Calvin Phillips has done most of the work this tournament um, but look at you know Hughes is, there's definitely an opportunity for him definitely I'm not saying that Hughes should be starting for England necessarily but I, I just feel that he would offer something to the squad and he could be useful um, in that midfield role. Um, but, yeah, no, I think personally it's been pretty enjoyable. Like, what, what what are your thoughts on this on this one, Matt? Um, just well, England as a whole for this tournament. As England as a whole. Well, yeah, like I said, I think they they reminded me so much of Watford um, yeah. because of the, the fact that they were so good defensively. And I think, you know, obviously Scotland was going to be one of those games where all of the emotions were there and, and you know, they came down in their numbers, didn't they? Um, and uh, and really made it a spectacle and um, it, was, it, was good to, it was good to watch even though it wasn't that particularly a, a great game. But, uh, you know, Scotland aside, all the other games were, 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 quite, were quite good to watch. Not as entertaining as some of the other games we've seen at the European Championships. Um, I think my highlight is probably the, uh, the Spain game just gone against uh, Croatia, was it? Yeah. Mm. That was that was that was re- that was really good, wasn't it? And um, and Denmark have France you know, game was whole, good too. This whole tournament has been fantastic as well, haven't they? You know, sort of riding. It was interesting, kind of Christian Eriksen type of um, motivation that that um, you know that his recovery has kind of given them, and you know, it'd be interesting to see um, you know you know how far they can go this at this tournament. It's also been quite interesting to see. It's been it's been quite surreal to see England play at Wembley so much too in a tournament it's just a strange like a lot of this tournament still feels quite odd to me but it has just I don't know it's just worked I've, I've been pretty, pretty thoroughly enjoying the whole thing honestly um, I've not talked about it too much on Twitter just because it's kind of been nice to enjoy a little bit of a break um, and just kind of watch the games as a fan and stuff but um, yeah it's been it's been pretty solid pretty solid tournament so far I'm pretty pretty easily anticipating Saturday in terms of the Watford players that are featured, um, it's probably a bit unlucky for Ken Zemmer that he didn't manage to get any minutes because yeah. 
I felt as though you know he deserved something, but Dan Batman uh, was pretty much uh, the exact same Dan Batman that we saw all season. A really solid goalkeeper, and the fact that he's now won that number one shirt convincingly for Austria, it, it just means great things for for Watford. What a year he's had. Yeah, I was pleased for him because in that first game, obviously against uh, was it North Macedonia they played, wasn't it? He was involved in a bit of a screw up for Goran Pandev's goal. I don't think it was his fault, but you know, I thought, oh god, you know, first tournament game, not ideal. But he's, he's made some really big saves for them since then, hasn't he? And, and certainly um, kept kept them kind of tied against Italy for as long as he did. So yeah, as you say, absolutely incredible uh, season for him, year for him, and it just goes to show you really how things can change on you know something seemingly so innocuous you know he would never have had he wouldn't have been even had a sniff of the austria squad i suspect had it not been for ben foster's broken finger and, and here we are so remarkable thrilled for him he really performed in every game didn't he as well in the tournament so like yeah. he was participated in it was it was really impressive i thought um his kicking looked a bit off didn't it in the first game he kind of wasn't quite there may be a bit of nerves there, but once he settled in, he just looked—he didn't look out of place at all. I thought he was one of their best players, if not the best, uh, in a lot of ways. So yeah, really positive tournament for him. And I think if there was any, if there was any questioning of his his place at Watford, I think that just kind of adds another element to things and, and kind of strengthens the argument for him to be a number one going forward for a while. Good stuff, Dan. Back when they're flying the Watford flag at the European Championships. Um, back to Watford then, and um, I'm not sure how how big or how important this is. Everyone has their own opinion of how much stock they really put into it, but the fixtures have been announced. And, uh, you know, the fixtures order sometimes, uh, you know, gets deliberated over. Watford's opening five are Villa at home, Brighton away, Spurs at home, Wolves at home, and then Norwich away. And their last five are Man City away, Burnley at home, Crystal Palace away, Leicester at home, and Chelsea away, with the all-important Christmas games being Wolves away, West Ham at home and Spurs at home. Guys, first of all, do, do you put much stock into um, the fixtures and, and how they how they fall, or is it a kind of very much a management style answer in that you take every game as it comes? I mean, it is relevant, isn't it? It definitely plays a part. Um, I, yeah, I, I do. I, I do in the sense that we have a real. Hi- I mean, we've had a real history of kind of tailing off, haven't we, until last season? So maybe. Maybe I could see an argument for for kind of looking at the back end of our fixtures a little with a bit more of a kind of intent to it. But there are moments I do think that you can you can look at a particularly some some teams are going to have a little bit more balance to their fixtures. I think we do have a rough. I think it's is it November is a rough rough one for us. Um, I could see I could see that being a, a point of concern. I also think there's some validity to that in the sense that. If you do actually suffer quite heavy defeats in that in that phase, that can be a tipping point. It can change a lot of things. Um, we know how quickly things can move, um, not just at Watford, but in in football in general. And you don't want those those close together, those compact fixtures to have a big say on things um, in a negative way, anyway. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's some some merit to, to looking at them and trying to isolate them. But yeah, I can also understand the argument too for the kind of more the more head coach manager answer of each game as it comes just look at the next fixture or whatever but um, I think you have to consider it to some level they love saying that don't they managers Tom they do I mean I must admit I'm not a great kind of all fixture list day person particularly when I think it's unlikely I'll get to many games next season because of 
you know, the situation being what it is and being way down the picking order for tickets. Um, however, it is important. Those runs, you know, getting off to a decent start. I can remember the, um, the Matsari season, we were all concerned, weren't we? Because we had a, a pretty rough start. Was it Southampton on the opening day? And then I think we had Man United, Chelsea and maybe Arsenal in the first few. And we were all kind of concerned. And we came out of it far better than we ever expected. So I do think, you know, that seems like a reasonable start to me. Not so wild about the end, but um, we've proven in the past we can uh, get enough points on the board. Actually, that was the Mazzari season as well, wasn't it? Where we had a horrible end and we got enough points on the board where we basically managed to lose every game at the end of the season and still stay up. So, um, good times. <laughs> I do think there's, there, there, is some, there are some situations where, I mean, even the season we got relegated, it's perfectly feasible that if fixtures have been a slightly different time things would have been different and that's that's just that's just the reality and the randomness that you come up against and i think you just have to try and account for it as you can uh, and and see if there's any ways that you can find some advantage in there but um i think as t- as far as fixtures go it's not a terrible set it's not the best it's not the worst yeah that november period you talked about there jordan starts off with arsenal away then man united at home leicester away chelsea at home and then man city away on the 4th of december those, those are five very tough games, aren't they? But you've got to play them at some point. I mean, you're in the Premier League now. You can't just, you know, pick and choose who you want to play. If it was, I'd say... Yeah, I do think... I mean, based... No, exactly. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Uh, and based on based on our previous times, I mean, when we've had these large kind of groupings of, of high-level opponents for fixtures, I think we've actually done... I'd have to double check this, but kind of even just going off the back of what Tom was saying there too, I think we've actually done reasonably well. Um, I think the lack of expectation we have sometimes works in our favour um, in those moments, and it, it kind of maybe maybe it actually helps in some way. I could see the argument for that th- that side of things too. I do actually look at the the grouping of teams around us as more of a more of an intimidating task because I think we've become very I think we've become very good as a, as a fan base at accepting the kind of pragmatist apo- approach to these matches and. We're not expecting to come away with victories, but uh, we know we're capable of it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just part of being a Premier League fan, isn't it? It's a different thing. This is quite a morbid question, but do you think the Podzos look at the fixtures and say, right, this is going to be our first checkpoint. If the manager's doing OK, we'll let him go past this. If he's not, it needs to be done then because we've got these fixtures coming up after that. Or is it very much a we'll see what happens type, type thing? I mean, Watford are very well known for, for being very pragmatic and, and, and very diligent about researching different coaches whilst they have a coach in, in place. I think you have to do that to some extent, uh, or at least you have to. I think it's more of a case of considering that as situations arise. I think we've definitely acted in times with kind of an eye looking at our, our upcoming opponents and the kind of sets of fixtures we have. I do think that's definitely something to consider. Um but there's lots of factors that play a part outside of that too. I mean, performance is a big one. I think manner of defeat is, is a big one too. Um, and it's just so many variables. But I think if you're not considering that, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because it is, it is relevant to some extent. Um, and in terms of looking at managers, I think we've always, again, you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you weren't constantly looking at replacement managers. We should, the second we signed Shishka, I'm sure we're still keeping up, up to tabs with our, our other short list of managers. Um, and also, same with players too. You want to be aware of who you can replace people with because anything can happen. Um, a player, a player, or a coach could leave because of they've they've exceeded expectations or they've not met them. 
Um, so you have to be aware of that sort of thing, which actually does does bring me onto a slight change of topic here. But one thing I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about before I forgot the the detective work from some of the Watford fans on Twitter in regards to um, the signing of Dennis's contract was. I, I very much enjoyed it. I think it was some excellent work. I got quite a few DMs from people that were sending me the full list of uh, of recommendations from agents that were actually kind of included in that contract, which I thought was a uh, top effort from everyone. I'm assuming you guys saw that. I've got no idea what you're talking about, John. You might need to... No, uh, nor me. <laughs> Neither? Okay, all right. Uh, okay, so when they announced the signing of Emmanuel Dennis, they had the, the official photo um, of him signing the contract. Someone zoomed in on the contract tried to kind of increase the quality of the picture flipped it around and on the contract was a list of a list of players um which is quite strange to be on the piece of paper he was signing and there was some debate as to whether it was a short list or if it was if it wasn't i think most likely it's a list of players under one agency that was offered to the clubs often if a club is if a club is looking for a player they will contact an agent and they'll give them their specifications of what they're looking for and the agent will reply with what they have on their books currently and it's just a way of kind of if you have someone you work with that you like and you feel that you can get deals done quickly and, and well then you'll you will kind of skew some of your targets towards that too there's a fine balance where it's not purely going to be about what play you like it also can the the agency work with will play a big part too so agents will often send out this these lists of players they they have available to them and and ones that might be interested or potentially could move to your team. So that list was effectively leaked um, by the sounds of it. And there were a few names on there um, that you may have, you may be aware of. Trevor Chowder, Nathaniel Chowder's brother. Um, Alex Moat, Ronaldo Vieira. Um, was it? Yeah, I'm trying to think who else was on there too. I know Harry Wilson was one of them. Um, and, and a few others. I think maybe Simeone from, from Syria was on there too. Uh, just a couple of these players that have obviously been, or seems to have been, seemingly been offered to us. So interesting little uh, little little piece of uh, transfer news coming out of that, and I just found it quite funny, honestly. I think the whole saga of us finding out that Chab is joining us based on the based on the table and all these all these little things over the years are just they definitely add to my enjoyment of uh, Watford news. Keep it coming, Watford fans. I didn't even realise that was that that was out there. So um... I think I did retweet it. So if you if you are curious, you can go on my Twitter page. And you can look down. You'll find it. Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, well, let's end then by uh, bringing you news of the uh, the, the friendly fixtures because the friendlies are always quite interesting, aren't they? And and the ones that Watford have announced are uh, Stevenage away. That's the first one on Tuesday, the twenty seventh of July, uh, and then Watford against Nate. So I wonder if that's something to do with our recent central midfield signing uh, on the 31st of July and then uh, the traditional Watford versus Udinese match on Saturday the 7th of August. Any of those uh, interest you guys? Uh, yeah, Della Faye returned to Vicarage Road could be fun. Mm. All the home fixtures oh. really. There's a there's surprising amount of home fixtures, wasn't there? Whether they're all actually going to be at Vicarage Road or they'll be um, elsewhere. Uh, training ground, St Albans, whatever. But uh, yeah, that was that was quite interesting. I wonder if it will mean we'll be able to get in. Although I suspect that if we are able to get in, there'll be pe- more people interested than normal. Uh, given you guys go to preseason games. Of... Sometimes try to. Yeah. Did you go to the? I quite enjoyed the Villarreal one. Um, not Villarreal, sorry. Uh, Real Sociedad one a couple of seasons ago. That was quite. A, that was quite a good one. 
We always try and have one good home one, didn't we? No, I missed that. I, I think it was the last home time. Um, I went to Borussia Dortmund at home. Uh, I'm sure that, no, was it Sevilla? Was it Sevilla? Was it Sevilla? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, do when you know what I'm thinking? Yeah, do you know why I'm thinking that? Because they had Chiro Mobley up front. Oh, yeah. So, I, I'm severe on my second team, so I, that, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. That was a real, that was a real. Boost that was just before there. the Premier League. That was just before the promotion, wasn't it? And um, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, I like it because you get a nice, it's a nice chance to see these players, the new signings, and obviously we've made a few signings that summer. Well, I seem to remember. Is, um, has got anything to do with the fact that losers signed for us, or is that just uh, most definitely nonce, isn't it? Almost certainly, oh, yeah. No. That's true. That's, is that right? I, I, I mean, I've sure. always said Nance, Nate, but um, I, I, think I'm, Nate. I think I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong. Uh-huh. Yeah, it must, but it like it must be, mustn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Do you know what? Just actually on that, that, uh, that takes me back to a point I was going to make. Um, <laughs> not on the nonces. Um, if that, as we assume, is probably almost certainly a condition of the, the, the deal for loser. Um, I'm almost certain we'll have included something in the, the Ben Wilmot deal, right? Either a percentage of the next sell-on or a buyback or even both. You know, I'm sure given his youth and potential trajectory, there'll be something there to protect us if we, if we do end up with egg on our faces. Just to return a long time ago to a point we're talking about. Yeah, I think it's very rare to, to not have that sort of, kind of clause included in deals nowadays, honestly. Um most are going to have something along those lines. And I think if you, we talk about the fee that was involved being relatively low, it's most likely because we were quite com- comfortable with the, with the add-ons or with the, um, the clauses that were included in the deal to, to benefit us a little bit further down the road. Because obviously at one point, at the very least, we had high hopes for Wilmot. So also too, I think we have to factor in Wilmot here too. It's not just about us wanting to get rid of him. He had a year left in his contract and if he didn't feel like he'd be playing, then he's going to be looking for a move too, and that, that's just part of how how it goes. So hopefully we get a good a good payoff in the future for him. He he kind of continues on with his career. What are teams? Sorry to interject here, Jordan. What what are teams get out of the um of the insertion of the of the friendly game in in the clause? What, what do you think that there's uh what do you think they get the match ticket sale or something? Or? Uh, well, generally, I mean, it depends really. I mean, often you'd see it more commonly with a a lower league team. But I think the exposure of playing a Premier League team, it just helps in, in a marketing perspective. And also, too, during this time, it, it can be a bit of a pain to actually arrange friendlies. And I think if, you have, if you're having discussions with the club anyway and you feel like playing a, a Premier League friendly as opposed to another opponent in France or someone that's a little bit less interesting, then you, you might as well. And if it increases it by small margin, then during these times especially, it's definitely worth it. So it's almost just kind of killing two birds with one stone. You might get a little bit of benefit for it. Um, but then obviously when you see it more with if you were to pick up a non-league player that's often where it happens a lot too or maybe a league two non-league player then it does have much more of a, an impact in terms of gate receipts and, and those sorts of things too oh, good to know okay then well it's been uh, it's been lovely chatting to you guys again and I hope that everyone out there listening has been uh, enjoying it as well we'll be back again soon don't worry but uh, thanks again to, to, to Jordan Weimer at Jordan Weimer. He can be found on Twitter and Tom at TB Burdell. Please also give us a follow if you haven't done so yet at Watford Pod. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't done so before. Um, you can listen to previous episodes. They're all up there. I mean, they're all obviously out of date because we'll be chatting about whatever game it was that we recently saw. But uh, 
you know, I mean, yeah, why not? People, people do, don't they? Go back and, and listen to an episode. <laughs> let us know. Let us know if you. The thought of someone re-listening to our podcast is utterly bizarre to me. It is, but people, people do, people do. Even people listening to our podcast sometimes, I think, is relatively bizarre. What you mean, like as they come out? <laughs> yeah, it's a surprise. A little bit. People, we have, we have fans. Well, not, well I mean, people. fans stretch. Fans is a stretch. I think we established a while ago that Tom was one with fans, didn't we? Wasn't there, some, wasn't there some situation where you referred to your followers as fans? Oh, God. That sounds like the sort of thing I would say, but it was a Freudian slip, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, you, that's I'm, more like it. I'm pretty sure you referred to your followers as fans, which is uh, yeah, an interesting interesting approach. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, if fans of Tom want to directly follow Tom and, and you know, send him chocolates or whatever. Um, we could win some sort of sign signed by, by Tom Bedell <laughs> shirt or something. Oh god, don't start this again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is a weird inside joke to include, but... Oh, it's an inside we were, joke that we know about, but no one else knows about. We were, there was a piece of memorabilia we were considering giving away, which we decided wasn't appropriate in the end, but... Yeah. It was, it was a sock uh, that was worn by a former Watford player. Right now, I think, but... A questionable <laughs> former Watford player. Yeah. And, and, the, and the sock now resides with your mum, is that right, Tom? <laughs> yeah, it's in my, it's in mum, it's, yeah. That sounds weird when you put it like that. It's in my mum's attic. I texted her about it after we discussed it and she still has it for some reason. Uh, so. Yeah, it's good. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be back again uh, soon because uh, more, more transfer news and, and stuff will come out. And as it comes out, we'll grasp it all together with our hands uh, uh, and uh, eventually... Uh, read it out to you. Um, that's basically what we do, isn't it? That's basically what we do. We just take our information. <laughs> read out the news. <laughs> just read it out. Um, but no, we, we give our opinion as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say probably the reading of the news is probably has more kind of weight to it than our opinions, honestly. But um, yeah, well, well, we'll do our best. And I know our, our schedule, our release schedule has been very up and down. And I say up and down, I mean non-existent um, for the most part. But yeah, it's been. We've all been very busy. We've enjoyed. I think we've been. I think the the how fast the championship season comes at you. I think we've kind of needed somewhat of a break, and especially we've put other things on hold to get round to stuff. But obviously, the Premier League kind of preparation. I think we'll really feel like it's starting once the Euros is over. Um, even though we are doing some work behind the scenes to kind of improve things, um, I think once the once the Euros is done, I think we can kind of put more focus onto the onto this a little bit more and. And try and uh, try and be a little bit more consistent in what we're putting out. Good stuff. Well, that's uh, a good place to end it there. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. From myself, from Jordan, and from Tom. It's goodbye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.